Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson. Karlsson, 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 I'm your host, Dylan Dubrovsky, and with me for this fun bonus episode of Keeping Carlson is a man who has been accumulating all of the data from all of our mock drafts in preparation for the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League, and he's here to share with us everything he's learned. It's Kevin A. Bear. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Hey, Elan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really excited to have you here. Kevin's also like just a huge behind-the-scenes contributor to Keeping Carlson. Like anyone who's been to Kakupful.com last year, like looking at all the data of all the teams. Like I can I tell you a whole bunch of things that Kevin has done. But he's a true hero, but now he's making, I believe it's your podcast debut on our podcast, right? Wow. It is, yeah. Okay, well, I'm glad we got to scoop you before some other podcast gets you and all of your, <laughs> your great analytics here. But yeah, so basically, the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patriot Fantasy League, like I said at the start, uh, the sign-up deadline is fast approaching, September 13th. Anyone who's listening to this can play in the couple. All you have to do is become a patron of Keeping Carlson, and we give you a ton of perks, including hanging out on our Discord server. And one of the other perks is uh, registration for the couple, where you start in the bottom tier and you climb your way up all the way to the top. It's a really fun league. We'll be talking about it, I guess, all throughout this episode, because one thing we started doing is the way we're going to be drafting the different divisions in the cupful is with these slow drafts on fan tracks which are a lot of fun because you don't have to schedule a time and you have a lot of time also to like banter between picks and i really enjoy slow drafts and so we've been doing a bunch of mock slow drafts which is a great opportunity for us to get some early data some early returns this is like the pre-election results i know we we know how sometimes those work out but uh, we've got all this data now where of how we think these fantasy drafts are going to go and this is information i guess useful for the couple, but maybe also for the listeners, just in general, you might find it interesting to hear some of these tidbits about who's getting drafted later, earlier than possible, some trends. So Kevin's going to bring it all to us uh, in just a sec. I guess let me mention quickly that we are proudly presented by DauberHockey.com, number one fantasy hockey website in the world. They've got their guide. You know all about Dauber Hockey if you're successful in fantasy hockey, and if you're not, what are you doing? Check it out, DauberHockey.com. But all right, uh, with that, I guess Kevin... I'm ready to go. I feel like you're kind of, I'm like the host, but you're kind of the host because you've got all the, the plan of what we're going to talk about. So why don't you just start with like tidbit number one that uh, you think is interesting from our mock draft so far. All right. So I got a bunch of guys here who um, compared to last year, their ADP has really, they go really earlier than they, they used to do last year. You know, some of them are really obvious, like uh, Rope Hintz, uh, Trocek, Garland, they all, they all jump uh, one thirty spot ahead of last year so last year they were around 200 mark now they go in the 70s so that's a big big uh improvement for them and it means that these guys are probably gonna if you want them you're gonna have to go for them earlier than last year but that's kind of obvious uh some guys who were maybe a little less obvious you got uh martin uh Nechas. he also went up uh one of uh 112 spot so that that's a big improvement for him so he, he now goes uh, 114. So if you want to have, you know, this uh, young and exciting guy, I don't, I don't know what, do you think he's worth uh, 
Uh, Would you grab them there, Elon? So yeah, I think it's really interesting. It's like a general question with your drafts. Like, you're talking about players who are, you know, being drafted so much earlier than, than they were last year. And you have to kind of wonder, like, is that a good strategy to be taking yeah. guys who just had this like big surge, like a hundred spot improvement? Because obviously something has changed to make people th- higher on these players. And it could just be that last year, especially a weird season, right? The divisions were different. A bunch of teams had all these COVID uh, postponed games and the schedules were weird. So you have to wonder if maybe it might not be so smart to like put so much weight on last season. And the I guess one big way that you'd be putting a lot of weight on last season is to be jumping on players who have really improved in the rank. So I wonder if in drafts, uh, you want to maybe like, you know, maybe have a threshold, like I'll take three guys who have had a huge improvement from last year, but also play it safe with some other picks. But yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah, with Martin Nachas specifically. So he's a guy that, you know, he was only his second year last year in the league. And in his first year, he had uh, 36 points in 64 games. So it was like decent, but you know, not someone that was like on most fantasy rosters. And last year, he had this huge explosion, right? 41 points in 53 games. So a much better season. I feel like with someone like him, it makes sense because like you're yeah. talking about one year leagues also, right? So Correct. it's like it makes sense that a rookie isn't going to get drafted so high and then we're going to expect him to do better in his second year. So I think he's not someone I'd be so nervous about reaching on because we would expect that's just the, the normal career progression. Like another guy that just went, uh, the next guy on the list is uh, Pavel Buchnevich. He also went up a uh, hundred spot. Yeah, I'm sorry, 108 spot. So he's now drafted, his ADP is 100 even. So it used to be 208 last year. And I don't, I don't know about him because he changed team. And I'm pretty sure it's, it's, he's going to have a harder time in St. Louis to replicate what he did in New York. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. I would be nervous if you're saying 100. So who, who's like around him just to get a sense of like, let's say after Buchnevich, who's like the next up in the ADP that people could have gotten when they took Pavel instead? Uh, they could have got Bjorkstrand. I know you like him a lot. Uh, Pavelski is is going at ninety five. Uh, then we next forward we got uh, Larkin at one hundred five and Garland Garland at one hundred six. Right. Yeah. So we're, some of these guys like Bjorkstrand and Larkin, like we were talking like top players on their team that we know they're going to get yeah. like really strong deployment. Buchnevich had this amazing year last year, for sure, like 48 points in 54 games, it's a 73 point pace. Before that, his career high was the previous year when he paced for like around 55 points. So it was like this huge explosion. And I, from everything I read, he was a big part of it. Like, it's not as if he was just like, uh, riding the coattails of Zabanajad. Like a lot of people are even saying they might be a little bit worried about what Zabanajad could do, like without having Buchnevich on his side. But at the same time, yeah, who knows what his role is going to be in St. Louis? Is he going to be playing with a centerman as good as Zabanajad? Uh, yeah. I definitely would rather take a Bjorkstrand or a Larkin. Pavelski, I guess, is interesting because he uh, is getting older. So at some point, we expect the regression to happen. And last year, if you take out just like the first 10 games of the year for the rest of the way, he, his you know pace is very different than his overall pace. Like we're looking at more like a 60 point guy as opposed to the 70 plus point guy. So maybe like Buchnevich and Pavelski, I could see them being similar. And I'll, I'll bet you Pavelski, by the way, is also someone I'd imagine who jumped yeah, up a crazy amount. Yeah. 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 He definitely, uh, Iman is another one that stuck, stuck out to me. He jumped uh, 99 spot up to uh, 110. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not sure what to expect from Iman this year with, uh, with Edmonton. I mean, there was a good discussion in in our Discord uh, today or yesterday about Iman. Uh, I, I guess he, I, I don't see his role changing that much. He was always like a third third wheel guy on a 
on the line. So I'm not sure what what's what what is the improvement here for him. Yeah, Hyman is very interesting. So by the way, people listening, uh, obviously this is a non-standard form of the show. Kevin and I are just chatting here. We're inviting you along for the ride. <laughs> and so we'll, uh, you'll get to hear a non-scripted Keeping Carlson show as opposed to sometimes when Brian and I have a really strict plan. But I, I kind of like it. But yeah, you're bringing up Hyman. So I guess the, the tantalizing thing is like Zach Cassian put up a 47-point pace playing on McDavid's line in 2019-20. So it's like Zach Cassian, I don't think, is like that great of an offensive player. Like no. Zach yeah, so Zach Hyman. <laughs> okay, I, I, that's not like a, too much of a hot take, no, no. I don't think. <laughs> so like, Hyman's a guy who's shown, like, last year he paced for 63, the year before he paced for 59. Like, he's shown that he has some finishing ability. Like, he, had, he had 21 goals in 2019-20 and 15 goals in 43 games last year. So it's like almost a 30-goal pace, like 26, 27-goal pace. And yeah, he had good line mates before. Uh, now he might potentially be playing with McDavid or Drysaddle, you'd expect, or who knows, maybe even once in a while. I, I, what I'm imagining that I think the most likely scenario, at least to start the year, is like a McDavid, Pugliarvi, and Hyman, and then keep like R&H with Drysaddle and Yamamoto. But I could see any combination. Sometimes they put R&H with uh, the Scrubs, and then McDavid and Drysaddle play together. So we'll have to see how that works out. But yeah, the Hyman upside is real. And I think the floor is also nice because he's good for peripherals. They're paying him big money. They signed with this like seven-year contract. I know that some people were saying like maybe there's a worst-case scenario where Edmonton streams him down to the third line in order to like spread the wealth, but that just seems kind of unlikely. Yeah. That like that would have to be like a disaster has happened if they need to do that. Hopefully that they've shored up their depth a little bit. So yeah, I, I understand why he's gone, but at the same time, you say how many spots has he gone up from previous years? Like a hundred spots. Uh, I'm in was uh, 97 spot in our ADP. Oh, okay, and how did that compare to where he was drafted in the previous year? Uh, he was he was drafted 209, and now he's uh, one one ten. Sorry, 99 spot. Yeah, that's wild because he was already coming off a 60 point season in 2019-20, and he basically did the same thing. And last year, his most common line mates I'm seeing here on uh, Frozen Tools were Matthews and Marner. <laughs> uh, so yeah, playing with McDavid is awesome, but it's not like so, so much better than playing with Matthews and Marner. Maybe the rub could be that Hyman has the possibility of getting a spot on the top power play, right? Like it's yeah. ge- it's generally been Alex Chase on there with like the four great forwards, McDavid, Dreisaitl, R&H, or sorry, three great forwards. Tyson Barry will be there. Then there's that fourth spot, which, mm-hmm. you know, some people were thinking maybe it could be Pugliarvi. Like at one point we thought maybe Yamamoto can get it, but it seems like Hyman could take that spot. So that yeah. obviously would really raise the ceiling. And I think Edmonton runs, you know, two two power plays with McDavid and uh, Dreisaitl. So even if you don't get on power play one, you're still playing, you have, you have a decent shot at playing with uh, them on the, uh, the second power play. So. Yes, there you go. So he had five power play points last year in the 43 games. So you could expect a few more power play points. Yeah, things break right. He could be like a 65. I mean, he already was a 63 point pace guy last year. So I mean, it yeah. seems kind of crazy to say like if things break right, he could be a 70 point guy. I guess it's possible. Uh, I I get it. I don't know. To me, I'd be a little nervous. I guess this would be like, again, like if I'm taking a big swing on Hyman, then I'm definitely not also taking a swing on Buchnevich and some other players changing teams because that you're adding a lot of risk to your team because we don't know how well he'll fit in with different players. Maybe he just like can't click with McDavid. What if he can't keep up with McDavid? So they put him on a line. What if they go McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Pugliarvi, then have R&H with Yamamoto and Hyman, and then all of a sudden Hyman's like not especially exciting. Like it's not a terrible line to be on, but maybe he becomes like more like a 50-point player. 
here. So the upside is there, but no one knows. And it don't and no one could just say like, oh no, but I saw a quote from the GM. Like, you know, it's like we'll see on the ice. And like lines change a lot throughout the season. So I think yeah. he's a bit of a, a risky guy in terms of if you're really taking a big reach on him. That he's he's around that range in the draft where there there is some risky guy too. So in the ADP. So he's right beside uh Tarasenko at 107. We got Ayman at 110. We got Dalin at uh, 111. So they're all pretty. You know, Dalin is still good and young, but he's not going to have Eichel probably. Yeah. So kind of limited ups- upside. Yeah, Dalin is a really tricky one because I guess that's a point in the draft where, yeah, actually, maybe we could bring this up next. You were talking about tiers before. We were talking about like how there's these different tiers for the different positions that you've been able to sort of tease out. And so Dalin is someone who going into last year, Brian and I were like falling over ourselves to say how excited we were for Dalin. He was one of the players that maybe made us look the worst, like maybe him. <laughs> Uh, Taylor Hall, like all the Buffalo players. Uh, but yeah, Dalin had, you know, 56 point pace in 2019-20. Then we expected now to no longer being a teenager. He was like finally 20 years old going into his third year. I really thought the sky was the limit. And then obviously last year was a disaster. And we expect this year to not be too different just because there's even fewer great players. He doesn't even have Reinhardt anymore to play with. Probably the best forward on the team is Victor Olafsson, maybe? Or yeah. Middlestadt? Or maybe Dylan Cousins, so not not the best situation. Yeah, they they could surprise us, but I I, I don't see them, you know, as good as last year. So I I take a swing at them at the end of the draft, or I mean, at the end of where where I can get Dalin. Maybe I, if I don't have anything else, I'll I'll grab them in and hope. But he's not going to be one of my first choice for sure. Yeah, so maybe can you share like where Dalin? I'm kind of interested to know like around which other defenseman has he sure. been taken, and like I, like maybe even just the overall number. If you could bring that up, like which number defenseman is he getting okay. uh, drafted yeah. at? All right, and so yeah, while you're bringing that up, I will say that I think the concept of tiers. We've been having this discussion a little bit on the Discord, and someone like tweeted at us at Keeping Carlson being like drafting with tiers is stupid or something, and, like which is like everyone's entitled to their opinion, but I really disagree. I really think this is like a smart strategy where you want to break the different positions into clumps, and we call them tiers, where we just you know you sort of have like these three defensemen I consider to be the same. I'm like almost like equally happy with any of these three. So let me just put them in a clump. Then you take like the next group and the next group and if you have it in groups like that then like it's really helps you when it's time for your next pick in a snake draft because if you've got like five defensemen in your top tier remaining and you consider all of them similar and then if you look at your whatever centers and you see like one center that's like clearly above the next center in the list then you know like well maybe i could just take the center and then i'll wait and probably at least one of those five defensemen will still be there for me in my next pick so i find that to be a really great way to draft to be honest like uh dom lucision just recently dropped his spreadsheet which we're a big fan of and we're gonna get that we're gonna get dom on the show soon to talk to him all about it and like a big part of it is vorp like this concept of value over replacement where you do this calculation of you know you can't just compare um kale mccarr to miko rantanen right you go oh rantanen is pacing for 100 points and mccarr is pacing for 70 points so obviously i want rantanen like you know you have to compare them to like the relevant defenseman or the relevant forward that you could get and like how much better is he than a replacement level guy and that's why mccarr might be maybe not as worth as much as rantanen in a fantasy draft obviously a lot closer than it looks by just the total points and so a lot of people just like do this VORP thing and that's how they come up with their fantasy rankings and then just draft the player who has the highest value over replacement like remaining on the board. 
I don't really like to do that, to be honest. I'd be curious to get your sense, Kevin. Like, I, what I'd prefer to do is just have these tiers, and then like maybe I'll take a forward who has a lower value over replacement than the, than a defenseman that's available. If there's a bunch of defensemen, again, like I said, that are all in the same tier, yeah, I'm thinking more just strategically about if I know I'm just going to get one of these defensemen, what, what do I have a better chance of getting? Like one of them in my next pick or one of these forwards? Yeah, I, I try to um, to look at the, kind of like what you said. I I try to look at the what's when is the next drop in, in quality. So if I can get, uh, you know, this great defenseman now or a, a great forward and then I can still have a similarly good defenseman later. I'll, I'll, I'll pick the forward first for sure. Yeah, of course, the trick is actually being able to predict who's going to be oh, yeah. and who's not. And, and guys like a Dalin or like a Hyman, that's where it gets tricky because these, some players you could like sort of set your watch to. Like I can tell you right now, Ryan O'Reilly, he's probably going to pace for between 75, 77, you know, like between let's say 72 and 78 to give him like yeah. a generous range. But you know, I'm not going to be too, I'm not expecting to be surprised what Ryan O'Reilly is going to do, but I could see uh, Dalin. Like, I, I'm personally bearish on him. Like, I'm not expecting too much just because, you know, you look at the data from last year and you don't see a reason why things should get better unless he really just, like, beasts out. Uh, so all that said, you were going to answer with uh, Dali yeah. and, like, where is he getting ranked? Yeah. Like, who are the defensemen around him? He's uh, he's currently taken as the 29th uh, defenseman. That's wild. Uh, yeah. And uh, he's getting taken, picked at the 113 uh, and he's right around guys like Provorov and Giordano, uh, Aiskanen, Hellis are kind of his closest uh, closest uh, four guys to him. I see. I think that it's almost like fascinating. Like if Dalin is going 29th, the guy just said all the reasons why he's not like, or he's potentially risky. But then you're bringing up guys like, well, Provorov also is very risky for this year because yeah. Philly's brought in all these guys, like including Ryan Ellis, who you also just brought up. And yeah. they have Ristolainen. So we don't even know if Provorov's going to get a power play role. And Yandel too. Uh, yeah, and Yandel. Wow. Yeah. So we have no idea. But there's still like kind of decent guys. Like it's kind of interesting. I think a lot of people feel like you need to gr- grab your defenseman early because your options are going to be like kind of sparse if you wait too long. But like Dalina 29th makes me think that, I don't know. I guess you have to kind of look at your rankings and see, but there's like maybe a lot more defense. It's like same with goalies. I find this year, there's like a lot of, since like a lot of teams are like going more to 50, 50, I feel like there's like a lot of goalies that are like draftable as opposed to other years when there's only, you know, 15 starters. I, I don't know. I'm I kind of talking off the hip over here, but I kind of feel like to me, when you tell me that Dalene is like ranked as the 29th defenseman, I almost feel like I could probably get him as like my, second or third defenseman on my team and not like stress too much about getting too many defensemen in the draft before him. And I could like focus on getting the good skaters. Yeah. Well, th- there was, uh, there were um, 71 defensemen uh, in that were drafted at all, at all in all mocks so far, but this doesn't mean that all of them get drafted in every draft. I just get, I just grabbed all of the, the results I had. Uh, but to, if we come back to what you said about tears uh, earlier, if we look at the at the ADPs, we got first the first guy is Makar. He's, he gets drafted around seventeen, uh, and then we have a, a gap until the next guy. The next guys that are Edmund, Hamilton, Carson, and Fox. They all they all get drafted. Uh, there are about four spots between them, so they are all pretty close. So Edmund is at twenty six, and Fox is at thirty. So these are all real pretty close. Then we have. Uh, Yossi, Nurse, Barry, uh, Latang, Theodore, uh, and Ekblad, who are all the next year after that in terms of their ADP only. Again, I'm not 
not, I'm not here to judge or not qualified to judge their, their skill level or fantasy projection or whatever. Um, and then we have uh, the next tier is uh, Chikrin, Jones, and Petrie. So this, this this is the top 14 defensemen who are all drafted in the first 50 pick on average. Right. So you're saying that's 14 right there. Petrie is a guy who... Like to me, it seems like a good value pick. Like, let's say if I want to just like kind of wait on D, I'm grabbing the Stamkoses and the I'm trying to think of like forwards who are getting taken in like the second and third round potentially. Yeah. Like maybe the uh, well, Debrinket's probably going earlier uh, off the top of my head. Let's go, Sam Reinhardt. I don't know. Like you know, I, let me take the forwards who I think have really high upside. And if I could still get like Jeff Petrie as like this like late defenseman, this is a guy, especially in the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patriot Fantasy League, like where we give points, you know, half a point for a block, half a point for a shot, uh, you know, so the peripherals are helping. And Petrie, like Weber's gone, right? So all of a yep. sudden, he's like pretty much guaranteed to get the top power play deployment with Montreal. I'm I, I'm excited about Montreal next year. Maybe not in terms of like the team overall. Like, I don't know if maybe the defense actually takes a hit now with, with Weber gone, of course, but like, they have like Caulfield, Suzuki, Tafoli. Like potentially, they could like stack up a pretty nice looking top power play with some offensive threats. And uh, Petrie's going to be the one there that he's going to give you the solid floor with peripherals, decent enough for points. Uh, obviously, a lot of the players you said there are really good, but why s- take a swing on like let's say um, I don't know Chris Letang, who you said is like in a tier or two mm-hmm. above him. Like yeah, probably Letang's going to get a lot more points than Petrie, but he also has that injury risk, and also his peripherals aren't as good. So like I wonder if you like compare the skater that you can get instead of Letang, and then get Petrie a little later on. That doesn't sound uh, so bad. Yeah. To me. Yeah, for sure. Letang went just between uh, John Tavares uh, and Jack Eichel. I mean, right. Eichel is, is kind of a risk, but the next one after that would be uh, Matthew Kachuk. Right, yes. Yeah. So these are like 70-plus point forwards, most likely. Kachuk's an interesting yeah. one because he had a down year, but I think he's a he's probably a pretty safe bet from what he's done in the previous years before that, especially if Calgary goes more towards like Kachuk, Gaudreau, and Lindholm as the top line instead of like the typical like Kachuk having to play on the second line with Backlund and Manjipani or something. I know last year they went more with like Lindholm and Goudreau and then Monaghan could be the one that has to languish, uh, you know, without the best line mates. So yeah, I- I'm really excited about Matthew Kachuk next year. So yeah, I think that uh, with D, it'll be interesting. I, right now, I'm still, you know, percolating as I'm planning, uh, but I'm kind of thinking that I'm going to wait a little bit and try to just get those high floor D, the ones who are going to give me lots of blocks and, like, decent number of shots. Like, you even brought up Jacob Chikrin, who I'm surprised yeah. he wasn't higher, right? Because you brought up Darnell Nurse. You had Darnell Nurse in, like, that third tier, right? Like, with guys like Tyson Barry. I should have had Roman Yosi. <laughs> uh, yeah, so N- Nurse... So the second tier was Yossi, Nurse, Barry, and Latang. And the next tier after that would be Theodore, Eggblad, Chikrin, Jones, and Petrie. Yeah, I would say that Chikrin and Nurse, I think we had a question on our Discord recently. Someone asked like who to take between the two of them. And yeah. I would say it's like kind of a coin flip. Like Darnell Nurse had this amazing year last year, but a lot of that is riding on a high shooting percentage. I'm sure he's someone, by the way, from what we were talking about before, of players who have are have the, have had their ADP skyrocket from the previous year. Oh yeah, he wasn't there, yeah. 
Yeah, so Nurse, like, 53-point pace last year, but it was, like, 16 goals in 56 games with a 10.4 shooting percentage when the year before he had 2.9 shooting percentage, the year before was, like, 5. Like, this was, like, more than double what he generally does. You can't expect that to continue. I would expect him to go back to being, like, you know, around a 40-point defense, which is really good, especially for Nurse because he has all those hits and blocks and shots. So I'm definitely not saying he's, like, nothing, but that's a pretty high tier. Why take a swing on Nurse? Again, take a good forward get Jacob Chikrin later. If people are like worried that Arizona's not going to have anybody, I'll still take the solid floor of the shots and blocks and hope that someone on Arizona is going to score goals and he'll just be there all the time. Yeah, they, they are They are going to. They might have a, they might score less than before, but they still are going to do it for sure. So I think yeah. it's, he's a pretty good get. If you, if you can get him as your, either your first defenseman or your, your second, you'd be pretty, you'd be pretty good there. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think in general, yeah, so what I was going to say is like my strategy, I think, would be to like fade D a little bit. I think that you probably could wait a really long time and still get guys who you know are just going to produce for you as opposed to forwards. You know, when you're waiting to like the kind of the, you know, late part of your draft, you're going for forwards that like you might drop if they don't end up getting a lot of points as opposed to some defensemen, you know, like even like a Provorov who you said is like way down around Mm -hmm. uh, where Dalin is like. You know, pro rivals still like take get a lot of ice time, get your blocks and shots. So maybe like, like sort of depend on some like higher floor guys for your peripherals if you didn't like swing on defensemen earlier. So one one last thing on defensemen that I that I've seen is uh, I've I've been in most of the mock drafts that we did just so I can get the data. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, what I've seen is uh, whenever there was a D run, those things happen like a goalie run where someone takes one and then the next pick takes one, and then you you kind of feel like you have to if you you have like FOMO, you have fear of missing out on the next great defenseman. So mm-hmm. you pick one, even if it, if it wasn't the best choice, like you mentioned, what I found out is if you actually start or, you know, if the best player for you is a defenseman and you take this guy and, and then you start the D run, you, you, you are usually able to, uh, because of the D run, the, 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 the great skaters are going to fall. So then you, you with your next pick, you can grab a guy that you could have gotten, instead of the defenseman. So now you have both the great defenseman and the good skater that you want. But that oh. for that to happen, you have you have to have the D run happen. So Right. So if you could try to read the room. Exactly. Yeah. And I guess and I guess another part of that is like let's say the D run has just started. Let's say like two defensemen have gone. It's your pick. Let's say you're like fifth and you're going back the other way in a snake. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna make your pick and then there's gonna be like maybe like 10 picks and then it's going to come back to you maybe you want to think maybe i should just take that d continue the run since then you could like keep that tidal wave going and the if you have like three forwards that you're interested in maybe you will be able to get them so yeah you have to kind of get the sense i guess also you could like be in your uh draft chat like sort of egging people on like oh like once you've taken the d you kind of want to encourage everyone else to do it starting choo choo the train is starting (laughs) yeah exactly I was able to do that in one in one of the drafts. I got uh, I got Hamilton at twenty five, and then Fox at thirty two, and then I took the first forward at four at my fourth pick, and then P three at sixty. Uh, this this made this made sense because these were the best guy uh, available to me at that point in terms of their ADPs. Because I tried uh, this one, I just used the ADP and didn't check any uh, any other strategy, and then I was able to get some great sk- skater later on. I got Ince O'Reilly. I got Lee and Radulov all with later picks and they all were lower ADPs that they, they used to go because of that, that D run. So interesting. Okay. Yeah. And there's some interesting names there, by the way, 
there's some players that you need to like circle uh, and remind yourself that these players exist. Because I feel like there's some players that just people have completely forgotten about just because they missed a lot of last season. Like you brought mm-hmm. up Anders Lee and Radulov. Another one that jumps out to me is uh, Jonathan Taves on Chicago, yeah. who, who's going to play. And I'm sure he's fallen like crazy in our drafts. And sometimes Jonathan Taves gets picked and I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> like going into my actual drafts that I care about, I'm going to be using like projections and I'll plan in advance. But like not everyone will do that, right? A lot of people are just kind of doing what I've been doing in my mock drafts, which is, uh, you know, sort people by their average points from last few seasons, kind of browse through it, yeah. see how people did. Like, you know, while well, I'm just chilling, you know, because I'm just doing the mock draft to learn and kind of be, and then sometimes, yeah, I've seen like Jonathan Taves go and be like, oh, yeah, him. But yeah, like mm-hmm. some of these guys, like Anders Lee last year uh, was having a career year. He had uh, 19 points in 27 games for a 58-point pace. I guess he's had one season better than that, but that's when he was playing with John Tavares. Since then, he had uh, fallen to like a 50-point guy. So if Lee is back and healthy, he's, I think, pretty much a lock to be on that top line with Barzal. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and Radulov probably is falling even more. For Anders Lee, he was, uh, he was 66 uh, last year in terms of uh, a couple points per game. That's pretty good because then he missed a bunch of times, so he finished he finished the season way lower. But for for the for his ADP of uh, of one hundred and twelve, you can get a, a guy who was sixty six last year in, in points per game. So that's that's a pretty good value right there. Yeah, that's a great tidbit. Yeah, I also love guys who take a lot of shots just because. Our league counts shots, right? Our shots are already worthwhile. They're like 0.5 of a point for a shot, and it's like three points for an assist and 4.5 for a goal. So if you take like three, four shots, that's almost like more than half an assist right there in a game. So Lee was averaging three shots per game, plus a player who takes a lot of shots, there's always that chance that some of them will convert to goals. And so he did have a... I don't know, 15% shooting percentage looks high, but then you look back at some of the better years of his career, he's had like a 17 and 19% season. Then... Uh, Tavares left and then his shooting percentage fell so that might just be a compliment to Tavares's passing abilities but <laughs> but still or maybe it was like power play was better but yeah I love a guy who could just give me a lot of shots because you got to get that like floor of fantasy points and the possibility of like you know multi-goal game all of a sudden could really like help you yeah for sure he was he was he actually went up a little bit from his ADP of 2021 he was 131 last year and now he's 128 so he's, he actually went a little bit up despite missing this time. But still, at, at, at that point of the draft, I'm happy to take the Andrews Lee for sure. Another guy like that uh, is uh, Ryan O'Reilly. He also seems to be falling in draft for some reason, despite being a number one center on a uh, playing top power play guy. And still, he, he usually falls. Yeah, so if you can, we always say that you can wait on center, but he's one of those guys that if you miss out on the, the big name at center, you can grab the... O'Reilly for sure. That's a really good point. Actually, that's an interesting thing to bring up. Uh, a lot of people feel, yeah, you don't want to grab too many centers. I find in Yahoo especially, they just give like multi-position eligibility to everybody. Yeah. To like no Ryan O'Reilly, I guess is is center only. Yeah. But I feel like a lot of the other centers do have multiple position, and also it's pretty easy to get your left wings and right wings as opposed to on fan tracks where it seems like there's like no right wings apparently in the league. So yeah, I think if other people in your league are really like you know oh I, there's a center who is like a little bit 
uh, better versus a right wing. They're deciding who to pick. Like a lot of people might just choose to take the winger because they're thinking the value of a replacement is higher. But I don't know. Maybe you take the center because there's a lot out there. But but you're bringing up a good point that maybe you don't need to grab centers early because you're still going to get someone good like Ryan O'Reilly who's who's falling. Yeah, there's usually a few of them that that falls uh, in the draft uh, for centers. But still, it, I, I'm a big fan of taking the best player regardless of of uh, whatever I need on my lineup because there's always going to be guys going to be dropping and especially with the same day ads that we have this year in the cuckoo it's going to be a really uh, a fun to you know fill your lineup the best way you can every day even if you have a last minute injury you can just grab a guy and not worry too much about position yeah that's a good point also let's say you draft too many centers you could always afterwards make a trade yeah. and you know obviously if you're trading ryan o'reilly who's coming off a 79 point pace season search through your league find someone who maybe didn't take too many centers maybe they have too many left wings and you could make a deal that works for both of you but yeah you might as well in the draft just take like the players you think are going to get you the most points and then if it turns out and again you have to kind of see how it's working out for you like it might turn out with the schedule that even if it seems like you have too many centers it might turn out that a lot of them play on off days and whatever and you actually are getting most of their games you have to kind of play out a bit of the season or at least like you know use some roster maximizer tool to kind of see how do i have so many of one position that there are days when i'm like leaving players on the bench even though i have active roster spots in other positions and obviously if that's happening then you have to fix that problem because you don't want to be in a situation where you're losing games because you have too many centers not enough left wings yeah for Uh, sure uh did you did you want to go with uh, some guys who who fell in their adps compared to last year who were drafted lower yeah sounds great all right, so first, I'm looking at the list right now, and first name that comes to me, it's not the biggest uh, feller, I guess, or faller, uh, but he's a kind of a big name. It's Brendan Gallagher, who used to be drafted at 160. I'm sorry, he used to be drafted around 80 uh, last year, and now he's 160. So he dropped almost, uh, he dropped 80 places, So and he was 89th, 89th in, uh, in terms of points per game last year, cook up full points per game. So it's still it's a big it's a big get if you can if you can get him late if you think it's gonna you know do the same as before his injuries last year right I, I I'm assuming he's, he missed time last year because he only played 35 games so if he if he can come back to that level it would be pretty good to get a guy like that for for your your 160 pick. Yeah, Gallagher, another one of those players who has a nice high floor because he, you know, he shoots a decent amount and he hits. I guess probably one big reason why he's falling so much is because that playoffs, right? Anyone who was drafting him in their playoff pools was really disappointed that he only had six points in 22 games. Of course, he was coming off an injury. Uh, I, I, he didn't seem like he was getting like as big a role like his ice time was down. Uh, so there's lots of reasons that the playoffs might have hurt people, but also at the same time, I don't think you should read too much into it. And now he's had a whole summer to, you know, get, maybe he wasn't even hundred percent when he came back. So I don't know the whole story there. We haven't done our beat writer interview with Arpon Basu yet, but yeah. And also when you think about like line mates, like Gallagher is someone who generally would play with like Tatar and Dano, which is like, you know, everyone always talked about how that line was like such a great play driving line and all of that. And like, not to take away from those guys, but he might actually have, similar or, or better linemates next year at least in terms of like offensive abilities like now they've got christian dvorak as a center mm-hmm. so i think i don't know dvorak versus dano maybe they're similar I, I don't think it's like a huge downgrade anyways in terms of offensive uh you know potential and then you got uh, mike hoffman potentially playing on the left wing who's a good finisher yeah hoffman is another one another one of those guys who he, he's now he used to be taken at 76 and now he's 175 so that's 97 98 spot that he dropped 
So right. if he can bounce back with Montreal, he could be really valuable at that at that spot. Montreal is a really tricky team to project, just because yeah. we you know they generally don't have too many high scores. Now they have like it's like kind of seems like it's gonna be a whole new situation because there wasn't Caulfield last year, there wasn't Hoffman, there wasn't Dvorak. So you've got like all these new players, and so the, you know we're gonna have to see how the lines shake out and how people play with each other. But who knows? Maybe it's possible that some of these guys will give you value. And hey, if we're talking about just like players that you're noticing that you could get really late, the nice thing is if you take a swing on Brendan Gallagher super late, if he's not working out. You so, oh well, yeah. yeah, you drop them, you, you know, you take a little bit of a lump. I'm sure you'll see some player you could have taken instead and beat yourself up. But, you know, that's just like GMs in the real NHL draft. Like, you can never predict that Nikita Kucherov, well, maybe some people actually could have predict, predicted that he should have been taken in the first round. But that's a whole other story. Um, interesting names you're bringing up here. So do you have anyone else you wanted to talk about who was dropped? I know another thing that we wanted to cover before we're done is you looked at Damu Sijin's projections and you have some names of players who the patrons are drafting, I guess, like higher or lower than Dom's projections, which I think are also interesting to bring up a couple of them. Yeah, for sure. I can, I can, uh, I can check that out real quick. Um, there's, there was definitely a few of them who we are, we are a lot higher than Dom and then some that we were, uh, that Dom is hiding us, but the patrons on. So while Kevin is looking up those uh, comparisons with Dom, I'm going to go grab myself a beer. So we'll be back in a sec. You're listening to Keeping Carlson. And we're back. Uh, we've got our drinks topped up, and we're ready to talk about some players who, in our mock drafts, are getting drafted in a place where Dom Lucision, or at least according to his models, would not agree with those picks. Either they should have gone earlier or later. So it'll definitely be interesting to see who some of those players are. Maybe we won't talk about all of them, because we're going to have Dom on our show in a couple of weeks, and I want to ask him about some of these players. Uh, but in the meantime, yeah, who do you got for us, Kevin? Well, we can start with, guys, with a guy we already talked about, uh, Zach Iron, who, who goes around uh, 110 in our, AD, in our mock ADP, and Dom's as it as 76th skater. So... It's a, it's 34 spot higher in Dom's sheet than in our mock draft. So I guess Dom's model liked his, uh, his recent years uh, a lot more than uh, the patrons does in the, in the, in the mock draft. Right, yeah. So it'll be fun. It's always fun when we get Dom on the show to ask him if he agrees with his model because he's like not like a Scott Cullen whose projections mm-hmm. we also like or Dauber. Uh, these pl- people, I think, are like obviously using data to like come up with their projections, but I think they're also using a bit more of their like gut or they're like looking at the situation and trying to figure it out. Dom is like literally just he's got a formula and he's like sticking with it. I think the one thing that he puts in himself is like time on ice and these kinds of things, maybe from just trying to figure out what kind of deployment the player is going to get. But, you know, most of the stats he's using is just like rate stats per minute that uh, they've been doing over the past few years, waited to the most recent years, and then, you know, then plug in like how much ice time, maybe even strength of power play time, and then that comes up with the projection. And yeah, it makes sense that Hyman is going to be high, and especially if he maybe even thinks that Hyman could get more... Well, Hyman was already averaging like almost 19 and a half minutes of ice time last game last year. So maybe though he's like giving him a bit of a power play bump, like we discussed. Probably. So, uh, yeah, I mean, so yeah, Hyman is... Uh, I'll be honest, I have got Hyman in my Dynasty League, and I'm pretty excited about it right now. I think I talked about For this sure. on the podcast when we talked about like the player movement, which feels like like years ago, but I guess that was like a month ago or so. But uh, like he, you know, when it was announced that he wasn't going to be resigned by the Leafs, I was like a bit bummed out. You know, I was like, oh man, this guy. Uh, I have him on my dynasty team. Uh, now what am I going to do with him? He's probably going to go to a worse situation. Like he can't get much better than playing with Matthews and, and Marner. And then all of a sudden he goes to a situation where people are like even maybe more excited about him than they were before. So 
Yeah, but not our patrons in the mock drafts, I guess. So some people, yeah. Also, we've been doing in our Discord these like daily rank. We've been, we're doing a lot of stuff, eh? <laughs> a lot of player <laughs> rankings. Come uh, be a patron at Keeping Carlson. Hang out in our Discord. Uh, you can come see all of these random mocks and rankings and everything. But yeah, we've been voting every day for a player, and we're on player I think ninety three today. We've just been doing this one player a day throughout the summer, and Hyman has still not been ranked. And a lot of people are starting to say, especially with uh, Dom's projections that came out, that like we're all sleeping on this guy, and uh, so we'll see if he can make it into the top 100 before we stop this exercise. But okay, I guess we've talked a lot about Hyman. So yeah, who else so, is someone? Uh, next guy, I have uh, Ehlers, who goes at uh, uh, an RDP, he goes at uh, 52, and the uh, in Dom's sheet is 23rd. So that's uh, that's like he's going from the end of the third round to the end of the second round. So it's a pretty big, uh, pretty big bump in here for uh, for Ehlers. Yeah, well, Ehlers is very interesting. We just had a question today on our Discord. Someone was asking, saying like, I think it was they have a fourth overall pick in their draft after keepers or whatever. And they're seeing that they're probably going to want to take one of, and then he, he wrote uh, like Ehlers, Kyle Connor, Wheeler. It was like three Jets. And then it was like Sagan was out there and Robertson. And yeah, I suggested that I would probably want Ehlers first out of all these people, or maybe Kyle Connor, though I have a hunch that Connor will get taken first. But, and like he won't have the option to take Connor. So I was like saying, like, if Connor's taken, definitely I would take Ehlers. And it's a big debate because on one hand, he's coming off this amazing season, uh, like basically a point per game with a great number of shots, you know, over three shots per game last year on average. Uh, And all of this was with only 34% of Winnipeg's power play time. So on one hand, you know, some people are still shy. Like they don't want to use a high pick on a guy who doesn't get the top power play time because you get worried about it. And you also maybe look at his line mates and you say, oh, what, is he going to play with like Stasny and Dubois or something like, you know, like, like, but I think uh, on the other hand, he did so well last year with similarly like concerning deployment. And what happens if he finally does get that top power play time? Like to me, it's like a yeah. guy who has a solid floor and like the sky's the limit. Like this could be a third round pick that you end up just like laughing about. And he like turns out to be worth like a mid second round pick or who even knows what this guy would be able to do if he got top power play time. Maybe he could put up like Blake Wheeler like numbers from a few years ago. Uh, when I, when I had my podcast with Murata Tesh, he was like, if, if you want to get pumped up about Nikolai Ehlers, go back and listen to my podcast with Murata Tesh, because he said that he thinks he's like the best player on the team. He's like so amazing, best five-on-five five player in the league. I mean, maybe that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but he was super high on Ehlers. Uh, so, yeah, obviously it makes sense that Dom's model likes him, because he's been doing really well over these past couple of years, and I think that there's still room for more if he gets that power play role. Yeah. So one more guy in the section of guys that Dom like more than us is Matthew Berzal. Uh, so he, he goes in our ADP at 92 and Dom's as, as him as the 54th uh, player. So it, it's about a 38 uh, uh, big difference. Well, I guess Dom's are not big, but he's, he's got the rank. So 38 rank difference. Right. So I, I think there is, it's, it's a bit of a, of what we mentioned earlier that the centers uh, usually goes uh, much deeper, uh, but still Dom's sheet with the, the value of a replacement should account for a lot of that. So I guess you just, you just think Barzal is due for a big year. 
Yeah, it's uh, again like with Dom's sheet. I guess this is like kind of a commercial for Dom, but for good reason. It's really good, and you just have to become a member of the Athletic, and you could get Dom's projection sheet, which has both projections and this great spreadsheet. Where when you're saying Dom's rankings, it's not like his rankings. Like you well, specifically yeah, it, put in, yeah, like you put in the cupful settings, and then it spits out a ranking with our settings. So it's not as if like he's higher on Barzal, but like he's thinking of points only. Like, this is for our settings. And yes, yeah, so I'm seeing here Dom has him projected around a 70 point pace for next season, which you know is pretty much how i see him so if the patrons i i don't know you can't disagree like he he pays for 67 points last year 72 the year before he's right around that 70 mm-hmm. range i don't see why like, and also don't forget that barzell i believe start yeah he had, he started the year strong he had 14 points his first 13 games he actually like the main reason why he was falling from his previous years he had a bad end to the year only eight points his final 13 games and Keep in mind, we just discussed this earlier tonight, like Anders Lee was injured at the end of the year and Anders Lee is his most common left winger. So by the end of the season, Barzal was playing with, do you remember who was on his left side? It was Everly on the right. Do you remember who was on the left? I don't. Sorry. I'm not a a fancy Yogi robot, so. Uh, uh, I'll give you a clue. It's someone that everyone was like, why the heck is this for? It was Leo Komarov was playing top line minutes. And I guess... um, that's what uh, Trotz wanted to do. And I mean, you know, the Islanders had a good season, but they didn't go all the way. And I wonder if maybe they could have done better than having Komarov on line one. Obviously, next season, they're going to have Anders Lee back. Plus, they've got, uh, you know, some more depth like Parisi. Like Parisi, even like, as a shell of his former self, is still probably better than Leo Komarov if they need him to go on the left wing at some point if Anders Lee gets injured again. So I yeah. would definitely, yeah, I definitely think that Barzal should be good for around 70 points again. There's always that upside for him to do better just because he's like such a great player like it seems like he's limited for being on the islanders and playing in this system where um you know there's like kind of like there's only so many points he can get especially even strength he only had eight power play points last year barzal so who knows if like uh one of these players like what if what if parise or or palmary whoever they or wallstrom like you know like maybe one of the or anders lee like just being back like if the power play goes off, that could be an extra like five, 10 points that all of a sudden brings them close to being a point per game guy. So yeah, yeah if the patrons sure. are letting, yeah, it sounds like it's similar to Ryan O'Reilly. It's just like a center. So people just think, eh, and also Barzal doesn't have the most amazing peripherals, but out of curiosity, where's Barzal being drafted in relation to uh, Nicholas Backstrom? Cause I see them as kind of similar, like around 70 point players. I think, uh, well, Barzal is 92 and one tidbit that's interesting uh, for him while I look this up is uh, Barzal is the the latest player at 92 who has a single digit variance. So uh, he's, he's all his pick in the 10 draft that we have so far, 10 mock draft are all between 89 and 96. So he's the last one of those guys who are really consistently picked at the same spot at 92. So actually I would be curious to hear like, so can, tell, can you tell me some players who were being picked above Barzal, uh, just so we could get a sense of like who people are taking when they could have had Matt Barzal. Um, the the next, uh, the skater who went uh, before him in the, the ADP are Taylor All, Tyler Toffoli, uh, Drew Doughty, Zach Marinsky, Jason Robertson, Johnny Goudreau, and Zay Kopitar. Hmm. Okay, well, like Goudreau and Kopitar... I guess you can't really argue, though. I wonder if maybe Goudreau is more of a, a risky guy. But, like, Taylor Hall, 
I don't know. Give me Barzell, right? Like, I don't even know if Taylor Hall is going to be on the top power play in Boston. So obviously people could be excited about the upside, but there's also like the downside of him just being kind of like a boring 60-ish point guy, which I'm pretty sure is what Fluto Shinzawa was saying in my interview with him about the Bruins. I think he was saying that he sees Hall as like around a 60, 65 point guy. So yeah, he's Hall has been all, all over the place in the mock draft. He's been drafted as early as 51 and as late as 109. So he's he has a 58 variant, so it's pretty wide, the range on it. Uh, so you were asking me about Backstrom, right? Yeah. All right, so uh, Matt Barzal went at 92, and Nick, Nick Backstrom went 112. So they have a pretty pretty large difference, about 20, 20-something picks, so... Yeah, so it's interesting. Like, so these are like some good centers that you could probably rely on for 70 plus points or at least around 70 that you could wait a long time and get them. So don't sleep on, especially Barzell. I'm, I'm pretty into him. Like Backstrom, I guess at some point needs to slow down as Ovi slows down, mm-hmm. which I'm hoping won't happen because I'd love for Ovi to uh, break that record. But in the meantime, yeah, Barzell, I think that he could probably do better than he did last year. And obviously uh, Dom agrees with his spreadsheet. All yeah. right, so how about on the other side? Players that... Dom is less high it on than our patrons are. So we've got, um, well, there's two that are kind of normal, I guess. There's Malkin, who Dom has some, for some reason, Dom has Malkin as uh, uh, the four, 448th skater. So I guess it's it has something to do with an injury or something. Right. Okay. So there's a setting in Dom's spreadsheet of whether you want to include a games played projection or not. Yeah, so, that's probably it. With the games played projection on, I'm just bringing it up here, it looks like Malkin, he's only projecting Malkin for 41 games. So uh, that's the thing. We don't know. And now Crosby, by the way, is injured. We just learned that he's going to miss like maybe a week or two to start the season. So Pittsburgh yeah. is going to be limping in with, like I guess, Jeff Carter as the top line center, <laughs> which, is, uh, which is pretty crazy. But yeah, so Malkin's a tricky one. And I guess we'll have to see. I, I, when, I t- when I talked to Jesse Marshall, my impression was like that Malkin isn't going to miss that much time. But I wonder if Dom has gotten like updated information. So we'll have to go and definitely before your drafts, make sure you're up to date on what Malkin is going to do. But he's obviously, if he's going to fall in drafts just because people are worried about him for injury, then classic guy that you can get late, stash on your IR, trust yourself to be good enough at fantasy to, you know, not completely fall out of the playoff picture while you wait. And then all of a sudden mid-season, you're getting this huge upgrade as Malkin coming off the bench ready to help you into your fantasy playoffs. So not too bad. Uh, but okay, so who else is out there aside from Malkin? Uh, we got Kane, which is kind of the same situation. He has him really low because of probably because of game, uh, game projection. Uh, then we have Sam Bennett, uh, who's, he has him as, 246th and we have him as 97th uh, right. so it's it's a big difference probably because he like you said Dom's uh, apply models to the, to his past three years performances so so it's probably why in, he was not so great in Calgary but now with Florida it's, uh, he has a really short and really uh, intense uh, performance there so it's probably not reflected well in, in Dom's uh, sheet yeah, definitely when we do our show with Dom, that's a player I'm going to want to ask him about. Like, do you believe in your model saying that Sam Bennett's only going to be like a half point per game guy? Because what we're less actually that I'm seeing, because uh, from what we saw in Florida, his role could be huge. I think a lot of it, though, comes down to like Florida also is uh, a very deep team. Like I'm just bringing up, let me bring up their depth chart here. I guess we could say it's all like superstar players. But now that they've brought in uh, Sam Reinhardt, we're looking at, you could have Barkov, 
with Verhage and Reinhardt. And then you can have, I guess, best case for Bennett is sent Bennett centering the second line with Hubert Doe and like Hornqvist or Owen Tippett. Uh, and then, yeah, I guess for center, I guess the main risk to him would be like an Anton Lundell or someone like jumping up. Maybe that's not too likely, but I guess the power play is where there's going to be a lot of competition. So we'll see if Bennett could hold on there. Uh, so that's another tricky, that's like another Hyman type of player. Like the upside seems so appealing, but there's obviously that risk. Cause yeah, he had that great run on Florida, but we'll see if he can keep it up for a whole season to be worth like such a high pick. And obviously according to Dom's spreadsheet, you wouldn't be reaching on Sam Bennett, but obviously some people definitely will. Cause he was, he was like an MVP in your fantasy playoffs. If you had him. Yeah, for sure. Another guy there is, is Tyler Sagan. Sagan. Uh, he was he was uh, about 88 in the Dom spreadsheet, and we have him as 53 uh, in, 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 for his ADP. So that's about a 30 pick difference there. Uh, but it's the same it's the same deal. You know, you don't you don't know exactly which uh, which Tyler's again we're going to get uh, now. So we we hope it's going to be back to the his former uh, superstar self, but we don't know about that. Yeah, like just to remind people, obviously he missed basically all of last year. He only played three games. He did score two goals in those three games, at least for what it's worth. But yeah, the season before, in 2019-20, when Sagan presumably wasn't injured, he was not great, right? Only 50 points in 69 games. It's a 59-point pace. And he had been like closer to point per game the year before that and the year before that, like, you know, been above a point per game. So it was like a really big fall and he let people down. So that's our most recent memory of him is first missing a season and before that being a disappointing player who you probably took in like the second or first round in your draft. So, yeah, like you say, now he's 29 years old. He's, I guess, back to full health. But at the same time, there is a risk there where he's not... Like, Dallas isn't the one-line team that they were for most of the late uh, 2010s, where it was basically, like, Ben Sagan and someone that eventually, like, Radulov showed up. But, like, we would just... Uh, keeping Carlson, when we started the show, was literally just every week, who's playing with Ben and Sagan on the top line? Because that's probably <laughs> someone you want to grab. Uh, now they've got, you know, Pavelski's in, uh, Jason Robertson, uh, Rupe Hintz. Like, they've got a lot of weapons, so it's not as if, like, Sagan's going to be getting, like, a ton of ice time and like i don't even know if he's guaranteed to get as much power play time as he used to get so we'll have to uh just it's yeah he's he's another guy yeah big upside if he could get back to how he was before but like there's the injury risk of like is he the same after missing so much time and maybe a bit of a deployment risk i'm not saying that uh, rick bonus is gonna like bench the guy but i wonder if maybe his role could be like slightly reduced so i guess uh yeah if you're following dom's model then you're gonna be a little more conservative with tyler sagan but Definitely a fun guy to reach for. What, what do you think of Sagan? Is he someone, Kevin, that you'd be taking in like the third, fourth round if he was still available to you? I I, I take a swing at him at that at that price. I think I, I like him more at the fourth than the, the third, but I I think I would go for it. Uh, I think it's a uh, it's with my higher pick. I I try to get guys with uh, you know really high floor, and I think Sagan has that. I don't think he can do really a lot worse than uh, about a 60 point pace. And he, he has uh, his, his, his ceiling is pretty much uh, is a lot higher. So, Right. That makes sense. Can you, maybe can you share like who are some people whose ADP in our mock drafts are around where Sagan is getting taken? Like the people who are taking Sagan, who could they have taken instead? They could have gone for um, uh, Ehlers at 51, uh, Kane at Evander Kane at 53. Uh, Sagan is also at 53, and then you got uh, 
Perron and sorry, as a real French Canadian way of saying it, <laughs> and then Besser at 55. So, okay, yeah. I mean, we just Brian and I really went in on David Perron and how like we're into him now after like sort of ignoring him for a couple of years. But yeah, I think Sagan is probably a little more exciting than David Perron, though. Obviously, like people who doubt David Perron at this point do so at their own risk. And Brock Besser, okay, so yeah, Besser also is a guy who like definitely has a high ceiling, but not as sure a thing. So yeah, I think around there, I would agree with the patrons to maybe take a swing on on Tyler Sagan at this point. I would take Ehlers first, for what it's worth. I know that maybe some people would disagree. That was the exact discussion we were having today on Discord. Well, they're pretty similar. And both both of these guys have, have low variance. So that's, that means that the people who drafted them uh, always took uh, took, took the guy at the around the same spot, so that's good. You don't you, you don't want someone who, who has a high variance needs. You don't know. Maybe you could have gone super super early or super late. It's uh, it's, it's it, it means we have less confidence in the in the ADP at the, at that point. I see. Let me ask you about another player who uh, is, I don't know, to me, like kind of similar to Sagan at this point. Like uh, Philip Forsberg is another guy who missed time with injury. He's actually always missed time with injury. Like he hasn't played a full season. But uh, last year, he is like, as opposed to Sagan, like he was actually having one of his best seasons. He had 32 points in 39 games before like ending up missing um, a lot of the end of the season. Like where is uh, Forsberg getting taken in relation to uh, Tyler Sagan? So so Sagan was uh, 53 and Forsberg is 70. So it's uh, it's a bit lower. He's right around uh, Couturier and Fiala and Trocek. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, and Fiala, by the way, is also one with really really low variance. He was always taken uh, between sixty nine and seventy five. So at this point in the draft, is you're pretty sure it's, he's going to go. Okay. So yeah, you'll have to decide. I mean, you got to take Fiala just because I invented this really great uh, team name last year, the Fiala Last of Us which I was very proud of. I I want to take him in a couple again, just so I could use that same logo I used last year. (laughs) But I think like Fiala, by the way, just to bring it up, like if you look at his overall season numbers, you're going to be like, eh, he's fine. 40 points in 50 games, 20 goals. So that's like a 66 point pace. It's like actually better than fine. It's like pretty good. But like, if you even look deeper, people might not remember, like we talked about in the first couple weeks of the season, he was taking a ton of shots and nothing was going in for him. Mm-hmm. So he had a, this really slow start. He ended the year, his last 28 games, he had 29 points. So he like got hot and was doing great. And I'm sure going into next year, I guess you're saying from this draft, people are like going with Tyler Sagan, like a lot earlier than him. Maybe I'm going to eat my words here, but I definitely could see a scenario where Fiala is worth more than a Tyler Sagan. I think he's a lot of a, a lot safer of a pick just because I think Sagan has shown us a potential floor that's a little bit lower. But I think Fiala is like a solid like bet for like 70-ish points. I don't know. I'm really high on Fiala. I also, again, he's another one of these guys who I love the shots on goal. He averaged over three shots per game last season. If just a few more of them went in, you know, that I, could have been. I, I also like Fiala because uh, I, I think I, I don't have any data to back this up, but I think I remember uh, uh, Minnesota who had a, not a great power play uh, last year. And I think if Kaprizov and Fiala can really click together on the power play, uh, I mean, I think at the at the beginning they were having trouble. I think at, by the end it, it they were pretty good, but I think this could play into his, uh, you know, having an even better number this year. So I, I'm yeah. I, I'm also all in on PL for sure. Yeah, it's just like you look at these depth charts on Minnesota. Like his most common line mates last year were like Ryan Hartman and Marcus Johansson. 
And then that's that's not great. And then I guess the next highest was a line with Joel Erickson Eck and Jordan Greenway, which is a little bit better. Uh, so hopefully he gets at least that. If Marco Rossi comes in to center one of the top lines, then potentially Fiala gets a better center than like a Marcus Johansson, who's not even with the team anymore. What team is Marcus Johansson? I think he went to Seattle, actually. Yeah. So we'll see if Marcus Johansson is ever someone that's worthy of being mentioned on the podcast again, now that he's on the Kraken. Uh, but yeah, so Fiala seems to me like maybe a bit of a steal. Uh, it sounds like people are really, you know, using his last year's number to decide, you know, his value. And I really think that the second half is more representative of what he can do than the first half. Uh, all right. So, uh, I guess, Kevin, we are... Uh, this has been fun. Like, we could just chat all night here, but probably sure. I need to let you go. You, uh, I was mentioning off-air how you had to clean your house in order to have the ability to come and join us on the show here in order to get this like time off from your house duties. So you, you've done an awesome job. This has been really fun chatting with you. Do you have any other fun tidbits you want to share as like a, a final remark on what you've been learning from these mock drafts? Um, I've, I've been learning a lot, uh, you know, in the, in the backend side of the things. It's not really related to fantasy per se, but I've built some nice tools that I'm going to be oh, using nice. uh, for the, the actual couple draft. I built myself a, a live drafter tool that, that you know, checks uh, the result of the, of the draft live every 15 minutes. And I can see a player ranked by player left ranked by their ADT. So that's pretty awesome too. And I'm definitely going to use that to make all my picks that are waiting for me in the in the chat room. I see Patty as wants me to make a pick live. <laughs> oh, you okay? Well, why don't you do that then to end the show? Like while while you're thinking of your pick here, yeah, I will say Kevin's made this. I think one other really cool tool that you made is at the end of every single mock draft. Since you have all this ADP data, Kevin's able to like show you your team that you drafted and get a sense of like how many of the players that you picked were like reaches versus how many of them were like good picks that went earlier than their ADP. So he's able to kind of like give you a score at the, assuming that we trust the overall ADP as like a, a smart list which i think hey the patrons are keeping carlson people who are like uh supporting a fantasy hockey podcast i'd imagine are above average in fantasy ability uh and so yeah and then you're able to judge so it's been fun i've been seeing people like tagging you and being like hey kevin can you give me my scorecard of how yeah. i did in the draft yeah I've, I've also built a few other stuff that i've not I haven't released yet there is one where you can can compare your team to um to other teams that draft at the same spot as you you know, so other team who draft fifth, uh, you can see all the other teams from the mock who draft fifth, and you can you know see what kind of player you were able to get versus them. Wow! It it doesn't tell you a whole lot, but it's still fun to see. If I didn't go for a defenseman first, I could have gotten this guy, this type of guy, and there's a lot of similarities too between those when I look at it uh, through this. Yeah, so if you decide to sign up and play in the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League, you might want to do so soon. Well, the registration deadline is September 13th, so you'll have to do it soon. But another reason will be is then you can take some time to go and scour through all of these tools that Kevin has made and has shared all these like uh, slow draft results. Uh, so that you can, you know, you, uh, otherwise you're going to be drafting against people who are using those tools and uh, you won't have them. And I guess you'll have to just go in blind, but it's definitely useful to be able to, yeah, just get a sense of who's getting drafted where. And like, also, I really like this idea of being able to kind of see like, what kind of team can I get if I draft six? What kind of team can I get if I draft, you know, 14th? Uh, do you have a preference of where you'd want to pick between first and fourteen? I, I actually uh, ran the number for, from last year uh, for the Kukufu. 
And uh, if I remember correctly, I think it was uh, the fifth place, uh, fifth spot, had the best percentage of team who made it, uh, who won the championship and who made it to the finals. So wow. that was for one year. Uh, I'm sorry, that was for the last three years of data. So and I went back. I went back the last three years and looked at the all the draft. Well, I didn't do a descriptive, but. Yeah, and it's, it's uh, I guess, maybe a little counterintuitive because I think a lot of people would think, oh, I want first so I can get McDavid. Of course, last year wasn't as obvious. A lot of people were picking McKinnon over McDavid. I think it was like pretty even. Yeah. If I go back, I'd have to go back and see our couple drafts. But I remember I definitely saw a bunch of drafts where McKinnon went first. And then it obviously turned out that McDavid was the better choice. Not that you were like so, so disappointed with McKinnon, but he definitely wasn't a number one. And so this year, it feels like number one is the best just because McDavid just seems to be on this other level. But of yeah. course, when you're number one, it's a snake draft. So that means your second pick comes later. So if you could really do a good job of nailing that second pick, maybe it is better to be a little bit later. Uh, I'm about to start a new keeper league with some of the patrons. And uh, we just did a reveal of what my pick is going to be. It's like a 14 team league. And I got seventh. So I'm going to be like in the out of 14. So I'm going to be like in the middle of every single round of the draft. Yeah, I think I'm I'm right behind or... Oh, you're in it. Right. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So where are you? I think I'm six or eight. I'm, I'm just uh, just next to you. Oh, wow. So we're going to be sniping each other oh, yeah. all the way through, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I've already... So I'm doing a team with uh, a friend of the podcast, John Reed. And uh, so we were talking about like who we want... You know, we've already like basically like mocked out who we think are the top six so that then we can know who we, who we want to start uh, considering at seven. Of course, the big question is if someone's going to like reach for a goalie before us, leaving like maybe one of the top six available to me at seven, because I don't think I would go for Vasilevsky, even though he's been so amazing, but I would be too nervous to take a goalie with my first pick. But uh, yeah, then I've also been looking already who I'm going to be able to get at pick number 22. And it's like, it's an interesting decision because you get to that point and you're like, okay, well, I could take like probably still a top defenseman. I could probably get like a, like looking at the couple ADPs at 22nd, you could probably still get like a Dougie Hamilton or a John Carlson, like maybe not a Makar, but maybe like the next best defenseman. Uh, or you could just take like one of these really great forwards. Like a, I don't know, I always think of like Gensel as that like classic mid second round guy that you take though maybe he's a little less appealing right now if Crosby and Malkin are going to miss time yeah for this year maybe yeah but he's still young and he has in a keeper league like that it's going to be interesting to see what's the, the shift at what point do we not take the John Carsons and the the great guys now or the you know it's the classic do we go for the win now or the uh keep get all the young guys yeah so I wonder like it'll be interesting to see like, at that pick number 22 I'll just talk with you, whatever. Like, I, it's not <laughs> yeah. so I can, like, uh, influence you one way or the other, and probably all the people are smart. But, like, I'm thinking, like, yeah, for the, some of these older players, you know, you've got your Marshans, like, Ovechkin, like, Crosby. Like, you'd think, like, yeah, some people are drafting in terms of a keeper league. Maybe they're going to let these guys fall. And I wonder if, like, one of these real star players is going to fall to me all the way down to 22. And if they do, do you take them, right? Or do you just like take a, a younger player who's going to help you for longer, even if maybe their upside isn't as high for next season? Because like Marshawn and Crosby, like are you know, and Ovi, they're all in like great shape, but they're both they're all like mid thirties. Like Marshawn's thirty three, I think Crosby's like thirty four, and Ovi's like thirty six or thirty seven. So they're not going to be around forever. For sure, it's going to be interesting. I I'm, can't wait to see it. It's going to be a a real uh, a, a real heavyweight. Uh, league there's a lot of great names a lot of uh, friends of the, uh, the podcast and it's going to be a real fun 
Yeah. Okay. Not to make people jealous, because uh, don't worry, because if you're listening, like I want to be in that league, like we got a league for you, and it's called the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League. We want to get you in there, because if if you're in, t- we've been like we shared the people who are in tier two, like who their division is. Tier one's already known for a while since last year, but tier two, you know, there's like 28 people, and we split them into 14 and 14, and all the people in the tier two chats that we started are be like, oh my god, I'm playing against all of these uh, tough players, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So once you climb your way up the couple, you're going to be in some really tough leagues. There's a decent chance kevin i'm not like it's never happened to me i thought it would maybe happen last year and i'm scared of it happening this year like all the people in tier one of the couple are so good like i could come last and i've never even like missed i can't even remember a time i've missed the playoffs in the fantasy league and now like the i there's a really strong possibility that i could come at the bottom and i think it'll be like a very interesting it's almost like not an experience i want but i'm kind of curious to see like how i would handle that as a person like someone who's used to winning to then come out it's like um when i went to grad school i got really good grades in undergrad and i went to this school carlton university which isn't a bad school but maybe not like the toughest school out there as opposed to some of my like friends went to like waterloo for computer science and like it was like a lot tougher but anyways then i went to ubc for grad school and all of a sudden i went from being like at the top of my class to being like just like average at best and it was uh, a <laughs> it was weird and i feel like that's gonna be coming to me soon in the cupful so uh anyway if you're listening to this, if you're not registered yet, regardless if you played last year or if you didn't, you need to register, okay? So uh, go to kupfl.com, K-K-U-P-F-L.com. It's linked in the show notes. You get all the information, and then you register, then you're in, and then you win your league next year. Last year, the people who were in Tier 6, the winners, we bumped all the way up to Tier 3 this year. So you can, like climb quickly if you're successful. The people who win Tier 3 this year are going to be in Tier 1 next year. So it doesn't take long to climb your way up if you do well. And even if you don't do well, I think you're going to have a lot of fun. And a lot of it will come from some of Kevin's cool tools that he'll be sharing at couple.com and with the patrons all throughout the year. So anyways, that's enough of that. Uh, Kevin, before we go, is there anything you want to point people towards is there any like uh i don't know social media or something you want to share no i don't have anything to plug i'm just uh just happy to be part of the keeping carson community and enjoying my time on discord with all the other amazing patrons ah you're the best kevin okay well we're really lucky to have you uh so yeah thanks everyone for listening i guess i'll cue the outro music i'll read you the credits which uh normally brian does but i'll I'll do my best here so let's see if i can do this all in one take off the top of my head the keeping carlson fantasy hockey podcast is presented by dabber hockey supported by our patrons logo art by brandsandweave.com and outro music by pat roach who i'm gonna be going to visit this weekend so i'm gonna go hang out with pat roach maybe i'll ask him if he wants to uh, update our music but i think it's pretty good how it is so why why change something that's that's good Uh, oh thanks to our super supporters on patreon uh, christopher josh josh who's in the chat here today by the way uh tom derek rob and patty who's also in the chat we really appreciate our super supporters uh and this episode was researched should i say that i don't know it was researched by kevin who like looked at all the data from the mock drafts it was researched by our patrons who participated in the mock drafts so yeah anyway brian and i are gonna be back at you with uh one of our yearly traditions the schmore goalies board episode where brian and i are gonna put all of the goalies into tears and that's going to be coming out this weekend so i guess monday morning for those of you who aren't watching live uh so make sure to be subscribed to us on you know apple podcasts or spotify or whatever get some more goalies board get all of our great content and until then just remember to try to make it that fantasy hockey is for everyone